Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. This nigga's playing Rick Ross. Fuck out of here! All I hear is at the red light. Trap, 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 nigga. I'm sorry. So Jeremy, well, Jeremy was telling us right before we hit record why there's a DJ in the background. Jeremy, why why is there so much noise in your background? Because it's Labor Day and niggas is gonna be niggas. Uh, I, I do not, you know, unlike you uppity Negroes, uh, I find myself in um, something we might call the hood. Right. And uh, you know, when you're in the hood. It's Labor Day, and uh, Negroes are going to be Negroes. So right now there is a DJ out back playing for about 15 people, as if he's at fucking <laughs> Onyx or some shit. And uh, yeah, so who knows what the hell we gonna hear in the background today? Hey, Jerv, listen, man, I'll have you know, my my neighbors do not say hi to me, but there's no riffraff. <laughs> so, it's sort of the trade-off, man. The Lord take it away. Uh, yo, welcome to Black Opinions Matter, motherfucker. My name's Amino Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by uh, Black Trey, by Big Jerv, uh, the lovely B, and, of course, a guy we haven't heard from in a long-ass time, man. Where have you been? This nigga been all over the world. What's up, Waz? Nah, I, w- I was... I'm good, man. I, w- I was in New York last week. Wedding um, season? I was... At- Wedding season. I actually, uh, two homies of mine were actually able to have a wedding in the pandemic. They had a party of 100 people, split it up into two parties, one for the older folks, one for the young people. Um, and it was cool, man. It was it was socially distant. It was all of that good stuff. So we enjoyed they ourselves. They didn't do the Seripapat wedding where they just had the one party and the music at some point went from edited to <laughs> 
<laughs> no, 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 they didn't do that. They 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 gave the older folks what they needed, you know, because the one my friend Katie, she's Dominican, and my friend Kwame is actually from Guyana. And so, you know, they gave them some of the merengue, the bachata, the soca music. They had to give the older folks their stuff. And then our stuff was just ratchet. That's it. It was just ratchet music played Easy, all night. Producer Rob. I know you heard the word bachata and your heart rate. Went I know. Up. <laughs> it's <laughs> it. We're just mentioning. <laughs> Uh, Washington Heights, what a place, huh? <laughs> Yo, uh, we got a great show today. Uh, one of the bomb staples from the very beginning of this podcast. We've been reviewing this show. Power, it's back. Unless you believe that it is a separate TV show because it's a new series. Nope, it's the same show, same character. They, they literally pick up where they left off. There's nothing about this that feels new or different, so... Uh, if you're watching Power, basically just keep watching Power. We're just going to call it Power. We're not going to call it Power Book or MacBook or whatever the fuck they want to call it. Uh, we also obviously have Lovecraft Country. Um, I would say this episode, I think, was a little better. We didn't have the evil white person who was introduced and dies in the same episode. So <laughs> okay. I, I'm willing to give it more of a chance now. We're going to talk about the sure, season finale of P-Valley. Things come to a head at the pink. Uh, where uh, we see a lot of people get their comeuppances. I'm excited to talk about that. But first, there's a couple of things I just want to go through real quick. Number one, uh, I know you already subscribed to Bomb, but if you listen to this casually just on Mondays on stream or on Tuesdays on streaming and downloading, uh, I would say to you, subscribe, because we have a lot of great offerings on this network. We have Wednesday Sermons with Naima and Karanje Phillips. We have Woke Bros with Waz and... Uh, uh, Nando, Nando, Nando Vila. my man Nando. Uh, well, you know, we got, because we international, we got Hispanic, black, white flavor yeah. all up and down the on, lineup. I mean, we don't play yeah, around with on, people. On Fridays, we got Growing Up the Same with Trey and uh, Jason Madison. They, they, you know, a great series of one-on-one uh, one interviews with a lot of different subjects. But we got a new baby in the family. If you listen to last week's episode, you know we introed it. But now, since it's Tuesday, you know that Monday has already happened. You know that Monday, an episode has already dropped. It is Crazy Sexy Cool. This is Bethany B's podcast with her friends, Meek and Elizabeth. And, um, you know, we're really happy and excited. And B, you guys did a topic this week. I'm going to let you lead us on this one because I still haven't haven't heard the episode. But as soon as I saw the description, I said, I got to listen. Guys, I don't know if you heard this week. Dr. Dre's ex says she needs a settlement of $2 million per month. Per month. Before we go here, like some raggedy ass niggas and say about how this shit ain't right, and I want to cede the floor, B, without giving away too much of what y'all talked about on the pod on Monday, which you guys should absolutely go download, listen. And obviously, if you subscribe to Bomb, you get all of them. But just give us a taste. From the women's perspective, from your perspective, about okay. this news story. So, my thing is, we don't know this woman. We don't know where she comes from. She may have been accustomed to a certain lifestyle before even getting married to Dr. Dre. So, and, and we can't, like, you know, we're we're at home. We're not billionaires. We're not 
I don't think we're millionaires, you know? Well, some I, of us are. <laughs> uh, Black Trey actually is uh, now, so. This is trash. Tra- Sorry. Get your hand on Waz. Waz, Waz, you missed it. Oh, my damn. Get your hand on my pocket. Waz, his name, Malcolm X moved to his name is Trav now. <laughs> <laughs> he lives on the he Trav. lives on the upper Trav. east side. Sorry, hey Trav, he's switching it up. Okay. He gonna wear ties every day like Tariq. <laughs> I love it. But also, we don't know if this is a lot of money for Dr. Dre. He could be like, oh, two million. That's it. Cool. And this story goes away and she lives happily ever after, just like Michael Jordan's ex-wife, Juanita. Like, we don't hear anything like Jeff Bezos' wife became a billionaire after they divorced. We don't know. We can't count their pockets. So that's all I really have to say about that topic. I, I My rebuttal is Juanita and uh, the former Mrs. Bezos, they were divorced and they got half or whatever it was, right? And... That's I, I think I'm much more at peace with a woman <laughs> getting a one time. Here it is. That's what you get. That's what you you earned out of this uh, settlement. But the, the concept of the ongoing payment, especially when it breaks down what the two million is for. I might have just gone with the two million. Like you said, uh, B, I don't know how much this money this man has. Maybe two million ain't shit for him. I would have gone with the two million. But when they broke it down. Oh, in, in, the, in the words of my man Soy Tiet from Vietnam, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, $900,000 a month for entertainment? Is she booking Beyonce in concert every month? She might. She might. You know, she has her, time, her charitable contributions and everything. Oh, first of all, I don't feel bad for this nigga, right? <laughs> Not at all. Here's the thing. For one, he... That's the thing. People go over and beyond to forget about how he got this woman. First of all, she was engaged to Sedell Three, former Los Angeles Laker. Yes. He no. wrote a hater level, a, a hater letter to her and said, You wrote a letter? Dude, it's on the internet. You can Google it right now if you want to, if you want to read it on there. And he says that Sedell's out here cheating on her and doing all this other things. Wow. And that's how he got her. Wow. But he was so up in arms for this woman that he decided not to get a prenup. Mm. His bad. Mm. He thought it would last forever. Mm. So what? Nobody mm. knew you were going to be a billionaire, my G. Now, <laughs> also, <laughs> we don't like to count people's money, but realistically, two million a month versus a billion, you didn't have 26. Please go and get out of here. 26 million. So whatever it may be, I don't know what the number is. Because Bezos' wife got 33 bill or whatever it was. She up. She ain't never got a... She could do the Chappelle, the, the, uh, the Diddy, and get carried around for the rest of her life. But overall, I don't feel sorry for niggas that don't smarten up. If you all in and you think your relationship gonna last forever, this is a business, dog. I've never been married before, but I'm learning from other people's misfortunes that, hey, if she carried the child, if the kids went on to college, even if we ain't got no kids in the house no more, you still gotta pay how you weigh in a non-supported male state. He lives in California. You don't get that love, homie. <laughs> I, I, I agree with everything Trey just said, one. And two, I think... What we what was made public is just that's just the initial sort of negotiation. I'm sure right. it'll probably get pared down to something like 750 G's a month, which is 
pretty good work if you could get it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm sure it'll get pared down. But again, like you, we can't discredit um, what it takes to be a homemaker for Dr. Dre. I don't know what that job entails. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I, right. I, I Who not, knows what she had to endure between them the, that, in that house? I, I'm I'm not I'm that's why I said I don't have a problem with the two million number. I got a problem. In ten years, with should you be getting Hold two on, million? No, no, not even that. Not even that. Not even that. If you had two million dollars a month, I'm good with it. I have a problem with fifty thousand dollars a month for your <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> they you need to get a, a WhatsApp uh, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited talk and text and data plan for about seventy-five dollars a month. What are you doing? Fifty grand of honor? What is this? Nineteen ninety-five? But we're doing long-distance phone bills. I might rack up. I call Australia every other week. Like yo, that's not how that shit works. Uh, Jerv, let me hear your opinion before I read this letter because, good lord, is it a? Uh, I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, like I mean, I had a beef with the phone bill, but. I'm sorry, the, uh, that 135 for charity, she's going to have to eat that. Like, she's got to give that up on her own. Like, I'm not paying 135 for you. I'm not giving you 135 for you just to hand it to somebody else. Like, I'll give it to charity. <laughs> okay, are y'all ready? As the DJ in the background, I don't know what he's playing. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe ask him to play California Love for this one. Because, geez, how, first of all, uh, show of, or uh, yay or nay, have you read this letter before? Trey, I know you have. Jerv, have you? Nope. Was. Nope. Strap in, guys. Here we yes. go. Yes. Nicole, this is February 26, 1995. Nicole, hopefully you're doing well and you realize you need to quit fucking with Sedale and come home to your doctor. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the opening sentence. That's quite the opening salvo. <laughs> Nicole, hopefully you're doing well and you realize you need to quit fucking with Sedale and come home to your doctor. I will take care of you, baby girl. Oof. Famous last words. All right. I'm in Nevada with hype looking at spots for this new video we are shooting for that single I told you Pac is going to be on once he is out called California Love. We met a bunch of crazy naked motherfuckers in the desert today. They were putting up some type of giant wood man. By the way, he was at Burning Man. <laughs> he discovered Burning Man for the first time. Wow. And still didn't know what it was. He just, ah, some crazy naked motherfuckers, right? Uh, okay. I guess they have a big party and we're here and out here for a bunch of days. I asked them how much they pay. They said nothing. I was like, no money. Someone should get behind this shit and make some loot off these fools because they said they will be at least 5,000 people. Once again, this is a love letter that starts with, you need to quit fucking with that nigga. Come home with your doctor. I'll take care of you. And now we're into like real fucking mundane small talk about burning. Me. All right. Back to the letter. I think I will have my office look into it just to see if there is easy money to be had here. I'm about to pass out, girl. Wish I was up in that ass. See you back in L.A. Dre. That's my favorite Bible verse, by the way. Leviticus 312. 
I'm about wish to pass was, out, girl. Wish I was up in that ass. That's, that's bars, though. That's, that's bars. You can understand why she fell head over heels for him. Ain't that right, B? <laughs> <laughs> what? So I, I want to know, how did this letter become public? Did she just, like, put it out there for people to read and he was cool with that? Like Maybe Sadell found it. It's- B, it's a picture of the letter. It's not even like a transcript. That is the letter with his signature and his handwriting. It's out there. And let me just say this. Upon reading the letter, Trey, you might have a point. (laughs) Don't feel bad, bro. I don't. I'll take care of you, baby girl. Shout out to Sadell 3, man. I'm going to take care of you. Keep your word. She probably go back to Sadell now. (laughs) Sadell Sadell out here in Arizona. Scottsdale, yeah. What up? Yeah, good. Good dude. Good, good brother. brother. Okay. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if he likes. Fuck I wonder you, if he likes Eminem or Fifty. Like, does he like turn that off when like? The, oh, the Sedale like basically cut off. the Yeah, he's gotta cut off the entire aftermath, bro. Like, who is that? Oh, Dre produced that. Like, he can't even enjoy the new Nas. Like, he had to turn it off, off full circle. Like, I'm cool. Damn, because this, this nigga 19, talking crazy. 1995. Yeah. Hold on, 1995. Yes. It's everything. That's Pac. That's Snoop when he came yeah. back. That's uh, Let Me Blow Your Mind yeah. with e. Eminem. Eminem, 50? He'd be like, hey, G-Unit? man, have you ever heard of this new guy? You know, da, da, da. he's produced by Dre, and that's the trigger, and he just throws everybody out the crib. <laughs> Scott, Kendrick Scott Lamar. Storch? Kendrick Lamar? That's a lot, Leo. That's a lot. Look, he might I, as well just I be a, he just got to stick with, he just got to stick with East Coast rap from there. He's got to be a Jay-Z Yo. guy. I, I cut off. Well, Jay Z got the watcher, so he out too. And he wrote, wrote Steel DRE. I was going to say, so. he can't even enjoy Steel DRE. <sighs> Look, I cut off the man with the red hat, so past the red hat. So that doesn't mean I got to cut off like Pusha, right? Like, I get to still enjoy the other things. I also get to not enjoy uh, Big Sean, but that's another story for another So time. I heard that Big Sean is the new Black Logic. <sighs> Explain. Well,. You know, I mean, I, I like when Waz kills rappers. It's always fun. <laughs> well, I, look, you look. But I'm gonna say this, right? <laughs> I turned on Detroit too, and I don't want to make this put down a black man because we're in trying times, and you're allowed to fail, right? But in this particular Detroit he, two he album, de- he damn sure tried. He damn sure tried. Here we go. So he lured me in with the Nipsey feature. He lured me in with the big, the Hit Boy beats, but. <sighs> Larry David gift, like I'm, I'm out. <laughs> you know, I was never in, so that's why I'm just in, like, yeah, you know what? Somebody yeah. argued with me and said that he's in a great headspace, and I should promote that. I mean, it's it's like therapy on an audio book over Hit Boy Beats. Shout out to great headspaces. How about that? Y'all, y'all think that album's that trash? I think Big Sean is generally not good. Oh, we got generally. It's not even like. Nah, I I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think it's good. Listen, Big Sean (laughs) is equivalent to pulling these headphones out of your pocket, and you have to untangle them. That's what his verses are like. Trey, Trey just pulled out those uh, headphones that Apple used to make. No, clip this, Rob. This is it. The bondage, <laughs> as I like to call them, the bondage headphones. Right? Yeah. If you, you want to entrap someone and just like keep them tied up in the basement, you don't even have to do the tie. You just say, hey, can you untangle these for me? Two seconds later, they wrapped up. Like, oh my God. How did I fall for this again? <laughs> Last question on this B. If, if a man wrote you 
that letter, what would your response be? Like, if you were to write a letter back? First of all, that, sh- that shit sounds like my DMs. So, uh, that's... Wow. That's true. Wow. Yeah. Talk that talk. It's, it's, it's the Funk Flex hour, I, I guess. Got it. So, Her, you know, you, know. You, I, you just leave it on scene, you know? Like, I saw it. Okay. Somebody no write you all that? Uh, <laughs> one day. You know, don't I look at me like, like I'm there. I ain't writing that. I should, like, no, no, publish. No, no. I should no, publish. No, no, you don't my publish DMs it. You don't, you don't publish it. This is what you do, B. If you want to hear some of B's craziest DMs, Mondays, yes. crazy, like sexy, that. cool. B, like Meek, Elizabeth, they will go through this stuff. You got to subscribe and listen and download that podcast. They are the future of this podcast channel, I believe. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. By the way, yes, I am smoking a hookah. Uh, <laughs> this is my second time in my life ever fixing one. The first time was about a week ago, almost burnt my house down. But I think I got it. I think I got it now. The funny thing is I thought I would mix it bad and that it would smoke terrible, and, but I would be safe. And actually, the opposite happened. I'm really good at mixing, apparently. But also, I'm really bad with fire. Uh, so uh, give me some time. I've got some cardboard under it. So that should help me if <laughs> something goes wrong. <laughs> I love the fact that you can podcast and hookah at the same time. You're giving that real New York vibes right now. But the thing is, that's also funny. I just don't want to hear the rude slurping, the little bubble thing. That's just that drives me insane. It's just <laughs> the, <laughs> that, that part right there that has me out. Uh, well, I mean, Jervis entertained us with that sound many a time when he's not smoking hookah, yeah. but, you know. I'm out on that, it, it, What? You out on that? Yeah, bro. That's I, don't cr- do, um, I, don't, I don't do no no pipes. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because Trey, I'm going to say this. I, I'm your friend. I feel like I could say this, and you ain't going to be upset if I say No, it. not at all. You, you are a, a person who I would say is notorious for really embracing extreme stances that will change somewhere down the line. And if, you, if you're wondering what I mean by that, let's start with this topic. Trey, I'm vegan. I don't fuck with anything if it's not vegan. And Trey was really living that vegan life. And yesterday, Trey sends a text. I had an epiphany. So yesterday, I, random, hey, I randomly, hold on. I randomly had a craving for lobster. Randomly. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't know why. This is the thing. I've been across the line, the Mason-Dixon line, for a long time, right? In this particular thing. And Waz was actually pandering me to go get a lobster roll today, which I probably would have died. I got to go see a doctor first because (laughs) I had to take an allergy test. But they've been coming out with so much food. I look on Instagram every single day. Ads or people just posting stuff, and it's starting to look even more. And since I got in a car accident four weeks ago, life is short. I got to go back and go live that. however I love it that. is. I love that. That Trey. was my perspective on Not it. Not that you got into an accident, but that the accident has provided some type of, you know, clarity. Like, well, man. just more so like, look, you live healthy at this point. You never know. You could play everything straight by the rules yep. and be out of here yeah. so my whole thing my perspective is a little different not saying uh-huh. that i'm gonna be a gluttonous and i'm gonna go hit the buffets and try i've never had the popeye sandwich i never had <laughs> um 
You know, all this shit that niggas creating now that I ain't right. never seen. And it looks fire. Like niggas is dipping tacos into little shit. I ain't never had that. Like, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on the topic of so okay, first before we move on off of that, on the topic of having a life epiphany and then decided, you know what, I am gonna do this. Uh, I wanna go around the room and see if any of y'all have had a life something happened to you, Trey was in an accident. I have a story that's kind of like this that made you change your mind about something that you thought, all right, I'm 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 off of that. I'm uh, looking around at faces to see who's got one. Oh, B's got one. B, let's go. So after Chadwick Boseman passed away, you know, having the opportunity to meet him and not take a picture. Wow. Just it it, bl- it really blew me because I really thought I was going to, you know, I was going to meet him again. I was going to have an opportunity to work with him at some point. So and I've been working in the entertainment industry for a long time and I don't take pictures with people. I'm sorry. I'm changing that. I'm taking pictures with everybody. Fuck it. I love that. Love that. Boaz, what you got? (laughs) Mine is a little bit different. Um, (laughs) You know, when you grow up in New York, you you develop a certain, uh, I don't know, like the way you interact with strangers around you is, is such that you just ignore them. Right? Like all strangers. Right? And I was listening to a podcast once. And it was earlier this year, and the host was like, um, you know, there's a lot of people in hard times. When you see homeless people, even if you don't give them money or whatever, give them food or whatever, if they talk to you, acknowledge them. Just that little simple acknowledgement of their existence and their humanity, like, that actually means something. So ever since then, every time... And where I live, there's a de- you know, you know, in LA how it goes. There's a decent amount of them out here, and, and so now every time somebody talks to me, I talk back to them. I acknowledge them. I acknowledge their presence. That's something that just goes against my programming as a New Yorker, as far as talking to strangers. But now I'm I'm doing it more. Did was there anything that changed that that uh, turned on that light bulb for you? It was literally just the advice of the host. I don't know why it just it landed on me in that moment. I was like, man, that's true. You know, like it's, it doesn't cost me anything to just have a human interaction with somebody. You know, I like just that. because just because they're down on their luck and all of this shit. Like, you know, I, I it, and I feel better about it, honestly. So that's definitely something that I've definitely never would have done that. I remember I used to have a stance that I wouldn't give um, money to white homeless people because it's like you have no excuse. Uh, shit. Uh, <laughs> what a waste of that, that what a waste of skin <laughs> that, that Paul Mooney joke oh, I cried because of that perfect white skin <laughs> but yeah I've changed my, my sort of stance on a lot of that stuff and it's basically happened this year man a lot of that stuff so Jerv what you got uh, mine's is pretty simple uh, I had a couple people pass when I was young uh, so my pop and I, we had a conversation and we told each other that, uh, anybody that you love, that you care about, uh, from that day forth, anytime I, I leave somewhere, anytime I go out or whatever, I tell everybody, you know, that, that I had that type of relationship with, that I love them and that, you know what I mean? And I'm gonna see them later. So mine's is, mine's was kind of like really, really young and it was a conversation I had, but for the most part, I just make sure anytime I leave the crib, anytime I go somewhere, anytime I leave, you know what I mean? If I, if I came to visit somebody you know, whatever. Anytime I leave, I make sure I tell everybody I love them, give them a hug or something like that, or dap them up, depending on who, who the situation is. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. 
no. Mine was when I was 25. Uh, I had quit drinking for like two years. So I quit drinking probably around 22, 23. And I was like, and it wasn't because I had a bad night of getting drunk or anything like that. It literally was, I was broke and I was like investigating my life. I'm like, what am I wasting money on? I'm, I'm spending so much money on drinking, like going to a bar or buying bottles, whatever, bottles for the house, not bottles at the club. I was, I was broke. I was super broke. And I realized one day I was like, yo, man, like, this is a lot of my budget is going to this, a, a very s- small budget. So I said, I'm, I'm quitting drinking. And I quit for like two years. And I never looked back. Never felt to be around people drinking. I was cool. And then I got sick. And when I got sick, the doctor said, all right, here's the deal. This is what you have. And you're, this is inflamed. That is inflamed. And so he said, you can't do this, can't do that, don't. You know, you got to stay off your feet for a while because you could rupture your, your liver or your whatever. And also, don't drink. And I said, that's cool because I don't drink anyway. And so then, like, the recovery was something in the span of, like, four to six weeks. And I never, ever felt like doing anything in my life like drinking during that moment. I wanted to drink so bad. So bad. That when I got cleared and I was healthy, the first thing I did is I went to a bar. And thus started a decade plus of extreme alcoholism. <laughs> no looking back, except for like, you know, a month here and there. Like I, I quit for Ramadan or I quit, uh, you know, a couple of times because I was just like, all right, I need to slow down a little. Um, what was your first drink? I don't, I don't even remember. I don't even remember. It was, it was I don't remember. Definitely it did, it didn't matter. A, Budweiser, a terrible Bud Heavy. It, it might have been a draft beer. It might have been a draft beer. But here's the funny thing. So uh, up until last December, November, I went to Dan Levitard's wedding, right? And I'm in Miami, and I had done some other shit that day. I'd gone out drinking or whatever. I came back. I had my clothes laid out for me on my bed. It's like, okay. I have enough time here to shower, chill a little bit, get dressed, go to the wedding, get there probably 10 minutes after the reception starts or the pre-wedding reception, get a couple of drinks there, and then the wedding will start, right? And so I got, you know, showered, came out, put on my, you know, my stuff, a button in the shirt, and I got to the top button, and that nigga went, hit. So what I put on my hit. I couldn't button the top button on my shirt. So I was like, all right, you know, sometimes that's a little bit of a struggle, but I usually get it done. I'm going to put on my pants. So I pulled out the pants. The pants, because I hadn't packed properly, were very wrinkled. And because I had been struggling for so long with the shirt, I didn't have time to iron. I'm like, look, I got it. Just got to go there with the wrinkled pants and take the jokes. Put on the pants. Heh. Heh. Couldn't button the pants. All right, let me let me zip up the zipper first, and then it'll button easier. Hey, the zipper wouldn't go up. And that's when I realized, for the first time in my grown life, I had clothes that were too small for me because I gained too much weight. <laughs> and so I sat there, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, oh, my God. Like, what's happening here? What's happening to me? I, I'm not what I, I said. I mean, you got one of two choices. Either you're not going to go to this wedding or three choices. Either you're not going to go to the wedding, which you can't do. 
you're going to go wearing sweatpants and a hoodie, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Or you are going to have to force yourself to get these clothes off. And so I forced myself into the pants. By the time I buttoned them, I swear to God, the wrinkles were all smoothed out. That's how much I filled out the pants. The pants look crisp. That's how much I filled out the pants. Come I on, buttoned my nigga. the shirt. I, I could, exactly. Come on, my nigga is exactly what I said to myself. I couldn't button the shirt, so I said, this is what I'm going to do. Grab the tie, grab the jacket, get in the, in the Uber, because now we're late, and you're going to get it done in the Uber, or you're just not going to wear a tie. And it took me the entire Uber ride to get the top button buttoned. Showed up. We're late to the wedding. Pull up. And it's at our mansion. They, they rented out a house, basically, to do this shit. So um, the, the driver's like, where do you want me to drop, me, drop you off? And I said, well, I think go up this driveway. So we go up the driveway, and the way the wedding was, it was in the, back, the backyard or in you know, the, the back lawn or whatever. And there's these hedges that separate the driveway from the lawn where everyone is. And then there's an opening. And this Uber driver stopped right at the opening. And the problem is the podium where the bride and groom are is right next to the opening. So I said to the dude, dude, you cannot drop me off here because when I get out of the car, everyone's going to take their attention from this already in progress wedding, turn around and see Amin's late ass showing up <laughs> disheveled or whatever. So I'm like, just drop me off around the back. So he drops me off around the back. I walk through... The kitchen, as I'm coming through the kitchen, I come out and there's a bar. And the bartender is like, you know, he's cleaning up. He's getting ready for the second wave. And so I looked at it and I said, let me get a drink. <laughs> so I got a drink, came out uh, outside. I walked through the back and I try to quietly sit down so no one notices. And when I sat down, I took a sip of the drink and those ice cubes were the loudest ice cubes of my life. They went, clink, 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 clink. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I had a very sobering, like, yo, this has got to end. You got to stop. I stopped drinking. I stopped drinking for 45 days, I want to say. From mid November, oh, later than that, because it went all the way up to All Star break. And then All Star break in Chicago. I went at it again, and I was a mess. I was so much of a mess that later on, two things happened. One, J. Cole told me afterward, yo, we were at, a, we were at, the, at the clutch party, and he said, I swear to God, I saw you on the phone in the middle of the loudest music ever. He said, there's no fucking way you heard a single word that was being said. No, rec no recollection of this phone conversation. <laughs> Later, I went to the, we went to like Saturday night to go do the stuff at Saturday night. And um, I met up before with my cousin Eve and uh, Omar, who's, uh, who's a skills trainer. He's actually the guy in the Puma commercial with Cole, who's working him out. He actually trains Cole. Uh, and he trains a bunch of other NBA players, among them TJ Warren. And so I see Omar walk up with who I assume to be is TJ Warren. And so I'm saying, what's up, man? And I'm talking to him because I know TJ. I'm talking to him like it's TJ. And so then we're like, all right, we're going to go. I said, I got the Uber. Me, Omar, and who I assume to be TJ get in the car. We get dropped off at United Center. I'm walking up to the entrance. It says, like, credentials only. And I walk up, and I'm like, it's me and these two guys. And they're like, you can come in. They can't come in. 
I said, this is TJ Warren. What do you mean you can't let him in, in the light? Sorry, you can't. And Omar's like, I mean, don't even worry about it. We'll go in through another entrance. All right, cool. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> Night ends. We do all the other stuff. It's All-Star Weekend. Weeks later. Weeks. I'm talking about weeks. Of, like It's in March. It's maybe right before the COVID shit. It comes to my attention that they've been having a group chat where they've been laughing about this shit this whole time. Because it wasn't TJ Warren. It was someone who was it? This is the worst part, Was. <laughs> I wish I could say it was some other dude that I just mistook for TJ Warren, you know, because I was drunk or whatever. It was Mike Shaw. <laughs> Mike Shaw, Mike Shaw is one of <laughs> Mike Shaw is one of the dudes who is like the original. He's like Dream a founding Builder. member of Dreamville Records. He's I'm somebody not- who Amin is known for. <laughs> I've known Mike Shaw since 2005, at least. Yes. At least. At least. This wasn't a random stranger. It would be like if I was calling Trey fucking, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Patrick Hart, Beverly. Or Patrick Beverly. Like, for an entire Are you evening. fucking kidding me? That's Patrick Beverly right there. <laughs> Oh, not only not only would I smack that glass that he has in his hand up in the air, we're going to fucking rumble. You call me. Hold on, I mean, so you're done with alcohol again? So yeah. So basically, after All Star Weekend, I flew to Miami and I kept drinking, and then after that, I went to L.A. and I kept drinking, and then COVID hit, and I stopped. Yeah. And because I'm a social guy, I like to socially drink, and I didn't want to. Like, I didn't want to do So I tried it a couple of times, like, on a Zoom call, and it was just, it's not the same. And so since April 7th, I've been dry. There you go. And it's just, it's, it's a culmination of the last, you know, six months, I guess, uh, or, or 12 months or whatever it is, that last year, that I'm like, yeah, I think, I think I'm good on this. I think I'm good on this. Because clearly this shit ain't right for me. Not physically, not mentally. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel? How do you feel now? Fucking Mike Shaw. I like I know weight wise, I'm always better when I don't. I always lose weight. As soon as I stop drinking, I lose 10 pounds. Like that always happens. Um, but you know, like as far as like, oh my mental is so clear, I don't have any of that. I <laughs> I just feel the same. But uh yeah, that was a long tangent. That was a long ass tangent. Um to get us to P Valley. Without further ado, take us on a walk. Chuckalisa. Chuckalisa, <laughs> my favorite place, man. Listen, it's man. murder night. It's murder night, man. Listen, <laughs> we here. We finally here. It's murder night. All right, we get here. Oh, it starts <laughs> off from a scene from a scene that left off. Our boy, who finally revealed his face last episode, is here and he wearing his ring that significates his gang. And this big bad gang that he's just everybody's supposed to be afraid of. Yep. Delta Devotion. Delta Devotion, the infamous DD, right? So clearly Autumn Knight didn't kill him, shot him, left him for dead. He's back. He wants his money. But now he's got her hostage in the champagne room where she is supposed to entertain but also throw off the camera so they can have their important conversation of where's my money, <laughs> which felt like it lasted forever um, in very dramatic, dramatic fashion. But then we got so many wins for everybody in this show, which it got good. Like, this is, I really am mad that this is like the last episode for this season. 
Um, where where do we start, man? Because this is just B. It looks like you want to chime in. No, so I was just thinking about one of the previous episodes when they when the sheriff came and said you can't, you know, the the ladies can't be topless and sell liquor. So when Autumn was in the champagne room, she knew that if she took her top off, that would send, you know, someone in there to come and help her. Didn't happen because everybody look, had hidden agendas. The pink needs more security because them two niggas is not getting it done. So look, no, normally, <laughs> what is that? Normally, normally they're reliable. But in this particular night, obviously a murder night, niggas is bringing guns, brass knuckles. The nigga even brought his own snacks. Nigga brought a package of tw- 25 cent to 75 cent cookies in there. So that was that was hilarious. But then you got, obviously... Diamond working the dough, and you got yeah. old boy who doing his little side deal on the back with the narcotics in the back hidden. Uh, the quote boxed open. Big L, right? Big yeah. L, shouts to Big L. You know, and he telling niggas they can hit him on the cricket if they need him. That's a sick <laughs> brag. First of all, it. that's the most country thing I've ever heard bragging about. Yeah, that was my first. Cell, my first cell phone was a cricket. It was Cricket Wireless. I'm sorry. That shit was like it right. was like thirty five dollars a month and free after nine o'clock. Free Cricket is the service that they pay you to use the phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But, uh, you know, we, we really factor everything in, obviously. You know, uh, that's going on in that one room. Diamonds distracted at the door. The back's over there operated. And the only person that happens to be catching on is Mercedes, who comes to the rescue. But she gets into a bind now because she's trying to be quote-unquote super stripper and make it seem like she got all them nights and you know because that's the bread that's the homie who got her out of the situation got her a little coin and now she feel like you know obviously she can do that and now becomes a hostage and then also murder on murder night finally gets the courage to perform and he does his thing in front of this a and r who's really which i would love was to explain a 360 deal to the audience because he's Please. very good with deals uh, I mean, 360 is like back in the days you'd sign your little, um, your, your deal, which is essentially the record company is like a bank, right? Like they front you some money to record your album, to pay for marketing, to, uh, market to radio, to do all of the stuff that it takes to pay for your shit to get out to people. And as you're making money, they recoup that money. They take it back as you're making it on sales, et cetera, et cetera. And then anything you else, anything, any money you got coming in outside of that is kind of your purview, whether it be your merch, whether it be your tours, whether it be your appearances at speaking appearances, whatever, you name it, that's yours under the old model. Well, you know, basically in the mid 2000s, as the record companies started losing money because of the internet and they were slow to um, sort of embrace iTunes models and streaming and all of this stuff, they started losing money because of, they were used to these bloated budgets while not getting the returns on the sales. And so they developed something called a 360 deal where it's like, obviously, we're going to still front you that money like a bank for your marketing, your studio, your all of this, but we want to cut of your merch. We want to cut of your tours. We want to cut of your appearances. We want to cut of everything that you do because we're no longer we're no longer you know selling CDs for eighteen dollars a pop um, and moving a million of them, right? Um, and so that's when you got the three sixty deals. But I think three sixty it's become it's become sort of tweaked a little bit because they make so much freaking money off of streaming now. 
So you can get different type of deals now. Like it's back up. It's back to the peak of the late 90s. But yeah, that's what 360 deals were. Well, in this particular case, Murder has no knowledge of the music business. He spent whatever possible money he's had on his clothing and his jewelry and created this facade of, of whatever hot rapper he is in Mississippi. And no disrespect to the people in Mississippi that's listening, but it, it goes a long way. He looks like he has all the possible money he needs. And B, you were getting ready to say something before I asked Waz the question. What were you going to say? No, I, I, from when, when the guy was coming in the ANR and he was talking about the 360 deal, every time he mentioned 360, I was just like, this sounds terrible. Oh, you know, awful. It, it just sounds like an awful deal. And you know, the A&R was talking about getting him a new manager, you know, he's paying more attention. He caught feelings. Yeah. He caught feelings on everything. We're going to get you some great producers. <gasps> DJ Never Scared is my producer. We're going to get you a new manager. But da-da-da is my oh, it was manager. the most awful meeting Whoa. ever. Yeah. They're in, t- you're in the quote-unquote pirate room. That's the, like, the, hey, not, no disrespect, but I'm about to disrespect you. That's what that shit was. It was like, it yeah, really was. your beats is cool. Oh, that little nigga over there? Nah, I'm going to get you some real producers. Y'all probably recording out of the Yo. room. Yo, the funniest shit is whenever someone shits on someone who isn't there, they, in all types of movies and TV shows, I always love when they shit on someone who isn't there and then they show you that person and they, ne- <laughs> they never look cool in that moment. <laughs> he looked like the biggest herb ever. Like, oh. come on, y'all. Like, he's dancing and shit behind the DJ booth. So as he's in that meeting, he plays Uncle, you know, uh, Uncle, Uncle Clifford. Clifford. Uncle Clifford's feelings mm-hmm. is hurt. He knows what time it is because murder them. Went big time on on him. Explain explain what happened. Because Uncle Clifford comes by and says, "Hey, let me get y'all. Let's get some liquor. Y'all got y'all in this room. You know, you gonna make a deal. You need some. You need some drinks." But he does it in a way that is very comfortable. Sits on the arm of the sofa and puts his hand on the Mm -hmm. shirtless shoulder of one murder. Right. And and by the way, little murder's homie, his manager, then already confronted him and said, "Yo." can't be out here running around right like whatever your business is your business but this ain't good for business yeah but my thing is it's like this is this is uncle clifford's spot so but you know when people are homophobic all that shit goes out the window but and that's the thing when he made that comment about oh y'all got i don't even want to repeat it just because it's npc they were dropping the f y'all got that Um, pretty much. At niggas the, don't know if they want to be niggas or bitches. Niggas or bitches, the right? There you go. Okay. Nicer, yeah. nicer, even though it's not nice. But, yeah, nicer but, but he said that, and, you know, uh, Lil Murder, Lamar, has felt a little way about it. You know what I'm saying? That yeah, that struck a nerve because you're talking about his, 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 his you know, his, his significant love. other, his, his bae. Right. Right? But did you notice how Keyshawn kind of like, Oh, she piped up the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's why I said in the last episode that she should definitely like she should be his manager. She knows how to move and how to completely well, distract. I, I got something different from that. B. I felt what like she tried to sell herself even more. Well, I mean, here's the thing: a couple of things. One, even though she got the she got the heat off yes. of him, but she starts spitting. So she and homie was wide open off she of got it. The, the heat off of him yes and two she did something very important she stood up for uncle clifford right exactly Which i thought was very cool of her because everybody else is just kind of like let this nigga say whatever you're gonna say don't fuck up the deal and she managed to without jeopardizing the deal also say hey that's not cool 
yeah. because she's also a smart girl. She she's a dancer. She knows how to read, you know, these men's emotions and how to distract with her sex appeal. Because she could tell, like, oh, he's feeling me, so I'm a I'm gonna make this work somehow, whether it's for her own personal gain or for Lil Murder. Trey, Trey did you have a problem with her kind of positioning her own career there? I didn't have a problem with it. I just think that the angle was kind of like interesting because obviously she's hung up on fame and attention. So it definitely could have went a different way and kind of cut murder out. But obviously there's, you know, it was also sold as a package deal, but she's also dealing with her dude on the outside telling her like, basically ho bring your ass. And she, you know, Derek is out here getting played like he ain't really like he ain't her baby daddy. I'm gonna say this about Derek. I thought this whole time he was some punk ass white boy who gets off on beating up on women. Derek right. showed me something though. He fucked up diamond hey, though. <laughs> listen, I understand why she. I understand why she's scared exactly. of Derek. Like, Derek got Derek the nigga that wear tap out shirts where we like, look, bro. I understand <laughs> you feel like you could beat black, white niggas ass, but listen, bro. He really got hands. <laughs> like Derek is Ken Shamrock. He was whooping Diamond's ass in there. I said, God damn. Because yeah, at first I thought when he was like, when he 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 called, he said, I told her to stop dealing with these raggedy niggers or whatever. I was like, oh, that's your ass now. And you know, Diamond got right. her first two, three hits in. I'm like, nigga, go ahead. Say some shit. Say it again. And then. Well, you know, he did some bullshit ass Street Fighter punch too. So I knew he was about to lose when he oh, jumped and threw the punch. That shit was weak. I was hot. I was like, man, they gave him a weak fighting package. Oh, man. <laughs> When, when Derek started hitting him back, hit him with that knee to the like the like you said the tap out shirt uh, special. Beat your ass! Like, oh shit! So during the scuffle, we get gunshots. That makes the the club scatter like roaches, and then yeah. all of a sudden we get the possible gasp. Here's my gasping moment. When she pulls out the gun on on Diamond. No, I, <sighs> I, I I like I figured. I, I won't say I knew that was going to happen. Stockholm syndrome. I, I like, you know, yeah, exactly. It's not just Stockholm syndrome. If you, if you if you read up on like what happens to battered women, um, that even though they know this person is bad for them, there's an element of like, I don't know if you want to call it loyalty or whatever, but just it's like those. It's lines, like me and the New York Mets. It's it's the same thing. <laughs> Wait, you said like you and what? The Mets. Me and the New York Mets. Oh, fair. Jerk <laughs> like, with the Sixers. Yeah. We're not doing, we're not doing that, bro. He just want to never leave. And and just any other Knicks fan. Um, so, yeah, we have that. And then, obviously, there's a tussle. Uncle Mur... <laughs> I said Uncle Murder. <laughs> Uncle Clifford <laughs> must be so is, hot, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God, right? So, Uncle Clifford finally catches on of what's going on, obviously. The security is unreliable. So basically, Clifford has to take matters matters in, into his hands. Is her pronoun? Her. Um, her hands, Everyone right? refers to Uncle Clifford as her. So yeah. Okay, her. <laughs> um, just trying to be respectful. Um, and Clifford comes through with the yaka. Let that thing go. Still, it's a fade, and everything's happening behind the door. And all of a sudden, we hear gunshot, 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 gunshot. When Diamond finally shows up with his gun, acting like he GI Joe, and blood spills from under the door. Now, um, as all this is happening, we fast forward to I'm thinking it's a funeral for 
for um they definitely pulled the okie doke yeah, especially especially the way mercedes was crying that's what i didn't yeah. like like yeah, mercedes so. was crying like fucking like autumn got shot or uncle clifford got shot but we saw uncle clifford alive so i was like damn autumn died damn and then obviously we see her show up to the to the auction so i was like oh Auction. I guess right. Mercedes. Oh yeah, auction. <laughs> so, is Mercedes like sad because he the one that killed the nigga? I can't. I mean, yeah, right. I, that's I, my I, guess. Okay, so let let's let who killed the dude? Who you gonna my, say? My vote is Mercedes because you know for her to show up at her mom's church looking for some sort of like forgiveness or sympathy or whatever. Because first off, you're gonna go to your mom's church the church that she established from stealing money from you, what else would bring her back to her mother's feet? Why? Because honestly, um, Mercedes' mom, she deserves to get her ass beat on site every time (laughs) Mercedes sees her. So, all right, so this is my question. I I was technically happy, though, that she said she was dead to her, too. Just running back. Okay, so let let me ask that question, right? There, There are a couple of questions about this. Uh, first of all, I won't lie. When Autumn went to the locker to go get the money, and my man was like, "She's not coming back for you," and I was like, "Yeah, right, nigga." And then she literally was on her way out. I was like, "Oh shit, this bitch is about to sell her out for real!" Like that. I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. But the question I had is, and I'm I'm open this to B and Jerv because the three of us are parents. I know it's different because obviously Sadie's is a grown-ass woman at this point and grown enough to put hands on her mother. I just can't see myself ever turning on my child like that. Like in that moment, no matter what they've done to me, I feel like I can still be a dick to them, but kind of, you know how the the meme that's been going around is like, this is how black moms say, I'm sorry. (laughs) They say like, yeah, (laughs) you hungry? Yeah, you you eat yet? (laughs) Right? They won't ever say sorry, but they'll show you that they still care with an action. For her mom yeah. to basically be like, I'm done with you and walk away, particularly as a quote-unquote woman of the cloth, I was a little surprised and kind of turned off by that. What, how did y'all feel? So my dad has always said, like, since I was a little girl, he always told me, and I didn't understand this until I became a parent. He was like, there's nothing that you can do to make me not love you. And I don't care if like, I'm not going to say I don't care, but like, let's say my son goes out here and he's wilding out. I'm still going to have love for him. I'm still going to want better for him. I'm still going to like care about his well-being. So to see a parent, especially a mother who has like, you're supposed to have a, a natural maternal bond with your child to see her just like completely stick her nose up. Like she has just shitted on her daughter all this time for her own personal gain. So I just don't understand that mindset where she just like, oh, you said I was dead to you. Okay. People say shit in the, in, you know, in the heat of a moment, you're not going to continue to be like, well, you said this thing this one time. So that's it for the rest of my life. That shit is, it blew me. Jerf. Nah, like I, I can't see any reason like outside of, uh, outside of my daughter flat out, like, yeah, she'd have to like try and kill me or something for me to turn my back on her, right? Like I can't see myself. <laughs> I can't see myself like, 
Yeah, no, nah, there's, there's really nothing outside of her trying to, like, take me out that would make me have to, like, turn my back on her. I don't understand how people can do that to their children. Right. Yeah, I'm human. I don't think I'll do all that. I'm, I'm more forgiving than anything, so... I'm like you. I'll be a dick about it. <laughs> For real. I'm going to make you feel yeah. like I'm going to sell it as bad as possible. Like, uh, like, you know, I shouldn't even be fucking with you right now, right, but right, uh, right. I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know like, what I mean? Like, I, I would help help my kid, but I'll, at every step of the way, I'm like, but I thought I was dead to you. Like, I, I keep bringing mm-hmm. that up. Every, every, every time. Opposite. Guess what? I'm alive, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of speaking of janky ass kids, man. Let's talk about power, oh, bro. Here we go. Power. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of janky ass kids, man, I got a whole list of notes on this no, one, big dog. On, so, good so, I, want- oh, I took notes on this joint too. Yo. Fire. That's this that's my oh, window. No, that's my you got a window open. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Sounds buddy. like you're on the highway. Yeah. I think I'm on a Greyhound right now. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> hey, hey, you good back, you good back there, man? Oh, that, that's noticing that. I can't be the only one. <laughs> Amin's house on fire. That nigga's literally back He's there. We over here like laughing. That. This nigga trying to use that water bottle to put I that fire off. I smelled something. I was like, oh no, the cardboard. <laughs> Who could have predicted <laughs> that? No, he- it means pre- like that gift where the, the dog is sitting. You the nigga that's burning like, shit up like the gender reveal, Bruh. How about Bruh. these niggas, man? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, no I more hope, gender reveals. I, uh, yeah, I hope I don't. I hope I'm not offending you or Jerv with this. Gender reveals are the dumbest fucking thing ever. I, oh, not one hundred percent. I don't care. Top five things you can do in your life is a gender reveal. Oh man, I'm cool on that. Like, I, when I was pregnant, I didn't even post anything on social media. I showed up on my first Mother's Day, like, <laughs> "Hey guys, <laughs> look what I found. <laughs> look what I got." That's a sick show up, man. Niggas is unfollowing like hell too. They were, and that was cool. Hi, <laughs> bleed yourself out. Like, highly Jenner. Niggas are following. As soon as you get a boyfriend or papa with a baby, <laughs> niggas over there like, I'm cool. That's oh, a yeah. big fact. Give me my likes back. Shit. That's a big fact. <laughs> That's fine. Give me my damn no likes manually back, unlike every single big. Oh like, god, no, I'm out. Wow. I'm out. I don't even have no 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 track record of that. <laughs> but you know what though? By the time I posted, my post baby body was so fire. Mm. <laughs> so that's where the DMs the came from. The paragraph. That's where the paragraph started. I'm I'll, just, I'll be his lie. daddy. I'm gonna say this right now. And B, you got and B, you got a son, man. We just pray that he doesn't grow up to be a Tariq. We really do, truly. <laughs> oh my God! Pray that that's not the case. <laughs> hey, but that's you know that. what? That 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 little nigga was raised right, bro. Oh well, no! Hey. At this point, now he wants to save his mama and take the L. Like, come on, bro. Nah, don't don't do that to, don't do that to boy. He tried. I mean, listen, I hate him. He's wow, one of the worst. Coming along for Tariq. I never, I never thought I'd see the day you had came. Nah, so he bro. shot his pops. I mean, yeah, but so he, he, tried, he, tried, he tried to take up for his mom. He tried to take the fall. He didn't want his mom to take the fall for him. So if Haven shot you, bro, you gonna be all, You gonna be thinking like that? Hell no. Did she shoot me? Like, was it like? It was like a leg shot. Like she was just trying to like tell me back up, or was it like? Yeah, oh, Jerv talking about they shot me in my leg. I came back, no. diddy bopping. No, Jerv, Jerv, <laughs> what if, Jerv, to put this in the proper context, Jerv, if Haven shot her mama, would you take the L and say I'm going to jail? 
How old am I? Look, as old as you possibly need to be. So Haven's going to college. She's at least 17, 18 years old. I take the L for her. I I mean, I got got the L for my kid, dog. Like, I lived. I'm not trying to have her. I I hope your wife don't listen to this pod, nigga. I'll take the L for her. Let's get into this show because we at the top. Um, so here we go. First of all, Yaz is like fucking 10 or 12 now. Okay, baby she's girl. Big, and, but she's, I baby. Hey, I'm gonna say this. I know it's not kosher. I know people are gonna get upset when I say this, but I'm gonna say it right now. She's grown, but she's still dumb as fuck. Because when they said <laughs> yeah. you, you bail is rem- she been homeschooled her whole life. No bail, you're remanded, you're going back to the correctional facility. Everyone's crying and going, no. And this dumbass says. Is mommy coming home? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not paying attention. She's a tall six-year-old or something. She's just like tall for her age, her percentile. That's so sick. So I can't get Tamika out of my head from the Dave Chappelle skits, trying my yes. best to take her serious. Um, they're giving her this role. Um, I like how she painted, painted Ghost as a, a smiling sociopath. Um Clearly, uh, with Tariq's new little situation, he gets his. He he basically got the AI deal. Like you, you be cool. You're entitled to this money. Like if AI be cool, he's entitled to the Reebok money, right? <laughs> so if he passes and graduates, he gets the bread, right? But of course, they use some shit like, "Hey, Tariq, you know, don't you like basketball?" And then fucking the white dude says, yeah. "Of course he likes basketball." Shout out, shout out to my man. Uh, what's my man's name? The owner, the the club owner of Truth, of what's his name? Fuck! Now I'm drawing. I can't a blank. think of white homie, but you whatever know. his name is, he is so delightfully racist. Oh, every, yeah, every it's, it's never hidden. I like it. I like that he yeah. don't hide that racism. He's no, like Simon just, like, or some he shit. He would have voted Simon, yeah, for Simon. Trump three times. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Simon, there you go. So Simon, go ahead. Simon said, "Of course he likes basketball." <laughs> wait, oh no, wait, hold on. Oh shit, never mind. Okay, go ahead. So he he works out the most jankiest deal ever where Tariq gets the tuition situation going on, but he has to tutor this new kid, right? And the new kid obviously is a star basketball player. Of course, he's a basket. I mean, of course, he's a black kid that has never read Moby Dick, never did anything, just there and, you know, has been having the, you know, the ways given to him. But he also has like a crooked ass family, right? Was do you know Ralph? Ralph, Ralph, uh, a meds homie, went to high school with him at Jamaica High. I'm sure I probably it's met always, him before. You know, you, you know like yes, Mike, course. right? Okay, so like Ralph. Okay, is, so I've Ralph, this nigga reminded me. He's Ralph's Haitian too. Okay. Ralph, Ralph Darbuz. Shout out to Ralph. The difference is Ralph is actually really smart. He's a, he's a teacher now, but like Ralph grew up in Jamaica. Grew up like, you know, not like this dude obviously where drugs in the family or whatever but but definitely like the nigga reminded me of ralph because ralph played college basketball and ralph is a big diesel ass nigga but also you can tell like this kid good spirit about him right yeah like, just for real, sure real real good dude so hold um, on before we move on i have a question for you guys because yeah. you know as you guys know i skipped the final season of power i just couldn't power through it I, fi- I skipped the final two seats. Remember, they broke it up into two things or whatever. I skipped the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to remember, was Tyreek always some whiz student? 
Yeah, he yeah. always he like always they, could get oh, by. They, drop they tried to okay. sell him as they like a hints. you know, he's, like a really sharp student. Yeah, okay. he's very witty. Because I'm not gonna front in this in this episode. I was like, yo, this little nigga got some spit to him. This nigga know what the fuck he talking about. But that's how. But that's how he was getting <laughs> ghosts into all this fucking trouble because he was pulling that bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like right. learning how to finesse everybody he possibly could. Yeah, and I give that credit to Kanan. Shout out to Kanan just kind of teaching him some street smarts, but then he already had the smarts because he went to the all-white schools all his life. So he knew how to get by. But Tyreek has his first love interest, Lauren. And She's then nice. oh, yeah. and then we get introduced to uh Davis Stay McLean. With the light skin thing. Davis McLean is played by Method Man. Uh, supposed to be. You know, he's like a hot shot like lawyer. Type. He's like a Johnny Cochran, he, essentially, type yeah, of character. A little slimy. A little slimy, a little slimy. A little, like, overtly slimy. But I think it's really cool. Because I forget what I was watching once, and Meth was playing. He was playing Michael B. Jordan's dad. I forget what the show was. or if it was, I think it might have been one of those hip-hop shows. I forget. And I was like, wow, it's dope to see Meth not play a gangbanger, drug dealer, right. something on the screen and I thought that it was dope. So it was dope for this change of pace to see meth play a lawyer. Like that's pretty cool to see. Um, and, and we were talking about this in the pre-show. I mean, I think the kid who plays Tariq on the show, Hold on, let me pull up his name and stop being disrespectful. It's, uh, nah, Michael Rainey nah, Jr. Michael Rainey Jr. Michael Rainey Jr. He's taking some type of acting classes, acting less. Like, he's just way better than he used to be. Well, yeah, no, he's getting yeah, better he, every time. He's, he's just way better, better than he was. And part of it is, you know, when you were a kid, you just suck at things. Obviously, you're not going to be as good as adults at this shit. But he's just way better now. Speaking, speaking of which, another thing, uh, when the mom calls from prison, Right, grandma answers the line, and talking to her, and then to, and then Tariq comes by, says Tariq, talk to your mom, talks to his mom, and then he hangs up. And I said, damn, baby girl ain't even get to say what's up to mom later. So I mean, he shit, he eighteen, nineteen, he running, he running the show now, and everybody depending on him, he making the man calls. We got Braden Weston, who's Tariq's homie from the last previous school, gets a chance, white privilege, uh. Uncles or grandparents have a building named after them, and Tyreek finds out, so he's gonna finesse the fuck out of him. Um, and then Effie comes back. Shouts to Effie, the girl who played him in school, who took out the competition, and he got a chance to t- to play her. You know, what I mean, take her batch in order for him to pay for the legal fees for his mom. Uh, um, what? What? No, I'm just saying nothing. No, nothing I'll, personal, just business. The same way he flipped it on her, walked away, stole her drugs, got on. So, I, the one thing I had, one thing I had is um, about this is supposed to be a really white school. Seems to be a lot of black people, man. <laughs> the dean is black. <laughs> the professor is black. No, the other professor is it's black. It's not a lot of black the, people. It's just. They all they stick out. It's, that's how it is, though. I mean, you know, when you're in a white institution, the black people gonna always stick out. The white staff gets to be anonymous, but you gonna know every single Negro. That's just that's, that's just how true. it goes, okay, man. You know, you you know, true. you knew every single black person at Georgia Tech. <laughs> you just that's did because because you stuck out. That's true. Um, so and then they forced so, us to congregate together. No, I mean we gotta that's go to the true. same student, student, student. Right, center. we gotta do all of the same student stuff. I thought, together. I thought they did a good job with that. Um, is the story is a is a story of this going to be the running story of this? Is Tariq's always running late? 
<laughs> Yo, the nigga I'm running saying. everywhere. That nigga was running more than Forrest Gump, bro. Like he had Hertz commercial, boy. Like, like, every geez. time, every little meeting he had, he either was popping up sleep or just running late, and he ran everywhere. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. When when when, when Tyreek had, you know, when he because he's constantly vacillating between student family man mode and trap star mode, right? So he goes to see the shorty, and he's studying while he's waiting for her to come outside. And that shit reminded me of Braun in the bike shorts, reading the autobiography on the stationary bike. <laughs> Just the first page. Just the first page. I was, like, I was like, Jesus Christ, you really had to be highlighting the notes during the trap deal? This, this nigga, LeBron, is the most knowledgeable person about the acknowledgement section of the book ever. Listen, he only gets... I, man, the funniest yeah. shit about the LeBron shit was like, hey, look, when he tweeted the uh, when he was fed up, niggas is like, look, he made it to page three, y'all. But yeah, um, so we get back to the show, and obviously, uh, they try to say that you know the shooter Jared, was supposed to be five eleven and six feet, but Tariq's character is five eight, so it couldn't have been him. But they ain't pushing that in, and then they claim that they're just throwing Dre in there. Now Dre never worked, but in power, everything. Dre, Dre also is not six. Yeah, he's definitely not six feet, and they just keep throwing this whole little thing in there, right? And then they keep trying to work up the Kingpin statue, which they did at the end. Um, and then his roommate, man, Zeke, shouts to Zeke, uh, smashing Shorty on the bed. I feel like Tyreek's timing, every time he walked in, whether he had to go to the bathroom, discovering his new roommate, he was catching somebody <laughs> getting trizzed or some shit. I- I'm going to say this real quick. I like how they introduced Mary J. Blige. Oh, she's so hard. That's what sold me on the like- show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm interested. That's true. I'm like, interested in this family, like, the dynamic. I could obviously see the the Tasha Tyreek sort of parallels, where she's basically the queen pin, and she's she's running plays essentially. She's the Coach K yeah. of this operation. She's the wife of Lorenzo Tejada, who also looks like Joe Budden. Just very <laughs> funny to me. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he does. And his kids are just gangsters, fuck. Like mm-hmm. obviously that is that Woody is that Woody the Great that that plays the one son you know y'all know Woody he was in the new new edition movie he played Bobby Brown I didn't get to watch it probably right. but he he, okay. he playing it well right now and also yeah, it reminded me of one of the hood functions I went to I'll be Tariq if I was in that spot you know what I mean like damn y'all niggas not tripping over that they like nah <laughs> facts and just go back inside like, I'm like facts <laughs> I would definitely be 100% not being scary but I'm just like curious like, damn like, you know, nigga, this is how y'all get down y'all sure y'all wanna handle this and you know I like how Mary was like yeah he'd be back and he did come back and they didn't handle it but he did finally handle it and, mm-hmm. you know obviously she did some gangster mom shit and wiped the blood off his neck I like um, the I, whole sequence though I like the her character name is Monet too by the way Monet, shouts to Monet. I like the way they walk through the house party. You see the, you see the grub and the aluminum trays. I thought that was pretty authentic. Not gonna lie, I was like, all right, this is cool. The fact that it was indoor, outdoor, had the DJ, it was dope. Of course, because I guess Tyreek is 
is fucking Casanova now and just get shorties left and right now. Oh, and, he's, a, and he's, he's definitely a playboy. He's juggling Lauren and Shanisha like, like right now. He was just like, yeah, what's up? What's your name? All right, what's good? Let me get your number. I was like, okay, Tyreek is, is getting to it now, which, which I like and respect. I just thought, obviously, his power is going to be very soapy, campy, or whatever. But I think they're populating the, the world with really good actors. Because, like, even the two yeah. guidance counselor types and the dean, like, the and you've seen that dean dude in a bunch of shit before when Tyreek had to do the oral exam. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just being really smug and arrogant and just, like, you know those characters. I just think they're populating the world with, like, really good actors now, which is kind of dope, man. Like, obviously, some of the storylines is, like, you got to go to school to do the trust, and now you're tutoring some hooper and it, whatever. It doesn't always tie neatly together, but I think they're populating it with good performances, which elevates the, you know, pedestrian <laughs> writing. Yeah, yeah, the writing, yeah. So this is this is what I want to do. I want to continue the conversation on, on the overflow because we, we ran long, and that's my fault. My drunk story was a little too long. But um, definitely catch us on. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, catch us on Overflow. We're gonna talk about Lovecraft Country over there. We're gonna talk about uh, uh, some little bit more about power. What we expect for this season. Remember, Overflow is available to all Patreons. Go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/CountingThings. Become a Patreon. You get a lot of extra cool content like this. Uh, for this right here, I'm just gonna say thank you to B. Thank you, Jerv. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Watts. Thank you, producer Rob Lopez. This has been Black Opinions Matter, motherfucker. Like, subscribe, download, do all that good shit. And stay black, motherfucker.